You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. So the Mets end up losing their series against the Washington Nationals today as Zach Wheeler gets roughed up in his start. Going to talk about that game in the first part of the podcast. Later on, going to talk about some injuries to the Mets outfield and do a series preview of the Mets' upcoming series with the Marlins. Also, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, going to touch real quick on the way Brody Van Wagenen's move as an agent has impacted his moves as a general manager. But before we get into any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find me on Twitter, check me out at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMarize.com, a great site for you Mets fans to check out covering all aspects of the New York Mets. So in today's game, Zach Wheeler took the mound for the Mets, and he got off to a really rough start against the Nationals. They hit three base hits off him to start the game, and it wasn't really any bad pitches that Wheeler had thrown up to that point. The Nationals just got some pretty good hits. Then Wheeler walked a batter before he finally recorded an out when he got Howie Kendrick to hit into a much-needed double play. From there, though, the trouble was not over for Zach in the first. He allowed a pair of doubles and then had to intentionally walk the eighth batter to get to the pitcher spot in the lineup so he could get out of the inning. When all was said and done, the Nationals took a 4-0 lead. And this is again a case of the isolated bad inning for Zach, something he has continuously had throughout the season where there's one inning that he is much worse than he is you know, the rest of his start. And that's usually where all the runs come against Zach. So again, this is something he has to work his way out if you can't continuously have one inning where you struggle or your team's going to lose some games. So from there, though, the Mets were able to tie the game up in the third inning when Zach Wheeler actually helped himself out by getting a base hit to start a rally. Jeff McNeil followed with a hit of his own before Robinson Cano hit a ground rule double that would score Zach Wheeler. And then Michael Conforto came up and hit a huge three-run home run to tie the game. And Zach Wheeler, as I talked about the isolated bet, and he kind of settled into his start. He worked three scoreless innings after the first before running into some more trouble in the fifth inning. Now really what turned into probably the biggest play of the game was this little bloop double that Howie Kendrick hit. He hit a little pop-up over the first baseman's head into the outfield in that kind of no-man's range between the first baseman, the second baseman, and the right fielder. And unfortunately, Michael Conforto and Robinson Cano collided on the play with Conforto's head going right into Cano's shoulder. Conforto had to be removed from the game with what turned out to be a concussion. He will now head to the seven-day IL. And he was actually the second Mets outfielder to get hurt in the game as Jeff McNeil left earlier with some discomfort in his abdomen. They do not believe that injury is too serious. 
But from there, with the runner on base, Zach Wheeler made his last mistake of the game where he allowed Gerardo Parra to hit a two-run home run, putting the Mets down once again 6-4. Zach persevered and made his way through six innings, but his final line looks pretty ugly as he allowed 11 hits and six runs with two walks and six strikeouts. And so far on the season, a lot of Wheeler's troubles have come against the Nationals. So far, he's allowed 17 runs across 15 and two-third innings pitched against the Nationals. For the rest of the league this year, Zach has only allowed 13 runs across 40 innings pitched. So that's a team that he's really struggling with. Anyway, from there, Daniel Zamora came in to pitch the seventh inning. And after getting the first two batters out, he walked Gerardo Parra on four straight pitches and then was removed from the game in favor of Robert Gazelman. Now, Parra would steal second base and score on a base hit from Kurt Suzuki. Gazelman then really struggled to put the next couple hitters away. He got both Wilmer Defoe and Brian Dozier into full counts, but ultimately lost both of them, loading the bases with the pair of walks. Luckily, he got Adam Eaton to fly out to get out of that inning, and the Mets were able to come back into the game in the ninth as Brandon Nimmo led off the inning with a walk. Todd Frazier came in and just barely missed a home run as he swung at the first pitch as a pinch hitter and drove the ball to left field and hit off the top of the fence for a double. Wilson Ramos then came in as another pinch hitter and he got a hit as well, scoring Nemo, and then Juan Lagares came up and he got a base hit to score Frazier. So the Mets were sitting there at that point, down only by one run with Robinson Cano up. Cano hit a ball into the hole for the shortstop, Wilmer Defoe made a nice play to stop it and prevent the Mets from scoring the tying run, but he was not able to get Cano out, so the Mets then had bases loaded with two outs, down one run with the chance to come back and win a game for the first time all year after trailing going into the seventh inning. So this could have been a big victory for the Mets to win the series and really feel good about yourself again after dropping Wednesday's game as well. Unfortunately, Keon Broxton was the batter that came up to the plate. Now, Broxton's been the Mets' fifth outfielder, has not received much playing time, but when he has played, he has not played well, really offensively or defensively. So he comes up here in what would have been Michael Conforto's spot had he not exited the game with the concussion, and he strikes out to end things. And it's just the case of the wrong hitter coming up at that point. And really, it spotlights how bad Broxton has been. And despite striking out in a huge spot, Broxton actually complained about playing time after the game, saying, I quote, From the start of the season, I've been surprised at why I haven't been playing as much and why I haven't gotten as many opportunities. It's not like I started out bad. Every time I get up there, I feel like I've got to do more than what I need to do just to keep playing. It's tough. When asked about Michael Conforto's injury and creating more playing time, he continued by saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how they're thinking, I don't know what they want. When you're not performing to be complaining about playing time, it's just not a great look. So we're going to talk about Broxton's place on the roster, how the Mets are going to deal with the loss of Conforto, all of that when we come back after the break. Remember though, to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked on Mets on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. 
Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Mets. All right, you are back listening to Locked On Mets, and I want to pick up right where I left off before the break, talking about Keon Broxton and the Mets outfield situation right now. Now, things are changing for the landscape of the Mets outfield over the coming week as Michael Conforto heads to the I.L., with that concussion, so he'll be out for at least seven days. And the Mets look to be promoting Carlos Gomez. Now, as I am recording this right now on Thursday night, they have not made this move official, but after hitting a three-run home run in Syracuse's game tonight, Gomez was removed from the game early, and that gives you every indication that he will be joining the Mets in Miami. Now, we have talked about Carlos Gomez as of late. He has been a red-hot hitter. He has hit five home runs over his last nine games, six home runs on the year. Major League veteran. He actually came up in the Mets system and was the main prospect that headed to the Twins over a decade ago in the Johan Santana trade. He has been an all-star since, and over the last couple years, he had struggled. But a guy with major league experience, the Mets signed him to a minor league deal. He had an opt-out June 1st on that deal, so he could have become a free agent and tried to find a job elsewhere in the next couple weeks. So this is a good chance to try Gomez out. Now, will he stay with the Mets for the whole season? All of that is too early to talk about, but he's probably going to get a little chance here. I imagine that he'll at least start a couple of the games in this series against the Marlins over the weekend. And if he continues to hit the way he has in the minor leagues, I think he probably stays with the Mets when Conforto eventually returns. And then you get into the tough situation where you got to decide what to do with Keon Broxton. And, and really, when you look at Broxton so far this year, he's been really bad. And really, he hasn't been a great major league player over the course of his entire career. He had one year in 2017 where he hit 20 home runs and had 21 stolen bases. But even that year, he hit 220. In his first big league season, he had the best average and the best on-base percentage of his career when he hit 242 in 75 games played and had 354 on-base percentage. Since then, though, he's never batted above 220. He's never had an on-base percentage over 300 again. And last year, 2018, he really struggled. He didn't play much, only got in 51 games, hit 179. This year, he's hitting 152. This is a guy who has not proved that he can hit major league pitching. And unfortunately for the Mets, they really saw him as a great fourth outfielder for this team moving forward. He is under team control until the 2023 season, so they have three more years with him if they can keep him on the roster. But at this point, the, the Mets might have to DFA him. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow if you're Brody Van Wagenen in this front office after trading for him this offseason and giving away a couple prospects. But if the guy's not performing, Juan Magares, while he hasn't been hitting great, he's been a better defensive outfielder and he has produced more than Broxton for sure. And you have a guy like Carlos Gomez who maybe he performs and is hitting well. You can also play J.D. Davis in the outfield. They talk about doing that experiment. They can even play Dominic Smith in the outfield. There's other guys that can play in the outfield. And when you have two guys in Broxton and Lagares with really 
or a redundant skill set, that's not really the best utilization of that bench spot. And I think the Mets would have preferred if it was Lagares that was underperforming and that would maybe get DFA'd. As he only has one year left of team control, he'll be a free agent after the season. But you got to do what's best for the 2019 Mets. And right now, Keon Broxton might not be the best player to be on this roster. And so you might have to, to just pencil that trade as a loss. So, so we'll see what happens over the next week. They won't have to make a move anytime in the immediate future. And so this thing's going to play out. But you have Broxton voicing his displeasure about not playing. You have the Mets probably voicing a certain level of displeasure about the fact that he hasn't played well. So so we'll just see where this goes from here. Now yesterday I wanted to talk about Brody Van Wagen and because his impact on this Mets team stretches prior to his tenure as the team's general manager. If you look at this roster right now, the three probably worst contracts on the books are all former Brody Van Wagen and clients that he had sold to this Mets front office. Now, he came in here, he got the job because of his ability to talk to the Wilpons and sell them on things, and I think that might be his best strength as a general manager at this point, is that relationship he has with the Wilpons and his ability to basically get them to do what he wants. At the same time, though, he got them to make some pretty bad decisions with these free agents. Ioannis Cespedes was a Brody Van Wagenen client, Signed to that massive four-year contract. This year, he's getting paid $29 million. By far the biggest contract on the books. Yet, there is no guarantee that he's even going to see the field as he recovers from a pair of heel surgeries that he had in the offseason. And really, since he signed the contract, Cespedes has only played 119 games in the first two seasons of the deal. This is the third season of that contract. So he could conceivably only play 119 games over the first three years of a four-year contract. And really, you paid all that money for whatever production you get on the last year of his deal in 2020. So that's been a really bad contract. Another one, Jason Vargas. Talked about him a lot early in the year as he was struggling being the Mets' fifth starter. It seemed like he was maybe turning a quarter a little bit before he hit the I.L., but if you really ask Brody Van Wagenen now if he'd rather have that $8 million off the books and have a different fifth starter, I'm pretty sure he would say yes. Now finally, the third contract to talk about is Todd Frazier, who is getting paid $9 million this year. Frazier has been relegated to a bench role as J.D. Davis has assumed the starting third base position. And when Jed Lowry returns from the I.L. at some point, Next month, he's supposed to be the starting third baseman as well, making Frazier essentially your third option at third base. He is their best option defensively, but aside from you know a couple good moments like his double today, he has really struggled offensively. The Mets would probably prefer not to have that $9 million on the books and have another player who more fits this roster on the team. So when you look at those three contracts, if you take out Jacob deGrom, and Juan Lagares, who are both making $9 million this year, that those are your three highest paid players on the roster, three guys who aren't contributing, all courtesy of Brody Van Wagen and the agent. So kind of an interesting situation that he has put himself in as the Mets' new general manager. All right, real quick before we end the podcast for the week, the Mets will be playing the Miami Marlins this weekend. 
Jacob DeGrom will be on the mound Friday night. He seems to be right back in that Cy Young form as he has been great over his last three starts. Pitching to a 1-2-9 ERA over that span with 21 strikeouts in 21 innings pitched. Opponents are hitting 162 against him during that time. So he looks great right now. He's hoping to get a victory over Trevor Richards, the Marlins starter. Richards has a 4-4-6 ERA on the season. Now Saturday, Stephen Matz is set to return off of the IL, and he'll be facing Pablo Lopez. In Lopez's last start, he got crushed by the Mets, allowing 10 runs in three innings pitched. He'll get to go against them again. And Matz, again, this is his first time pitching since May 4th, as he had some nerve issues. He threw a 45-pitch bullpen on Wednesday. Not sure if he'll be able to go, you know, a full 100 pitches, but he will be on the mound to start things off for the Mets. And on Sunday, the Mets will have Noah Syndergaard going against Sandy Alcantara. Syndergaard has been alternating between good and bad starts over his last four outings. He pitched a complete game shutout, then he had a bad start. His last time out, he pitched eight innings of two-run ball. And so now it's time to see if he can have two good starts in a row. For the Marlins, though, Sandy Alcantara looked really good against the Mets his last time out. He pitched five innings of really good baseball before the Mets scored three runs against them in his last inning of work. But he showed some really nice stuff. So that is not going to be an easy pitcher to beat on Sunday. On Monday, Locked On Mets will return to break down that series and more. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Mets.